windows up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hey friends, this is Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries and we've got an awesome program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today and you're going to want to get more copies of this. So give us a call, 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels turning from town to town. There's so much I gotta see. I gotta look around. I got diesel smoke rolling. From two chrome stacks, my address is 408-414, a big blue Mac. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have that white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and today's program is a day of defining, and it is from our Lonesome Road Ministries Threefold Chord Conference that we had here in 2021. This is from our Saturday service and our building dedication that James Payne dedicated this building for God's work right here at Lonesome Road Ministries. So here's my good friend, James Payne. New Year's Eve, I was at a church, and they put the cross on the screen, and they left it there for about 30 minutes. And I wrote the verse and the chorus to this song while they had that cross on the screen. And I don't have the backup vocals on it. I don't have it mixed, but I've got a track to it. And just before I preach a little bit, and you're really going to like the message. I'm not going to preach long. I'm going to preach about, I don't know, an hour or two. Uh, I don't know if this is the track. I don't know. But I just feel by the Holy Ghost I'm supposed to sing this song. I don't know why. But we're going to give it a whirl.
I don't have the words to explain amazing grace. I can't tell you why I can't come and take your place. Why he would give his life for a debt I could not pay. I don't have the answers, but hear me when I say, cross says it all, says he can reach down farther than we could ever fall. It says mercy will come running the minute that we call. So if the question is, does he really care? The cross says it all. I don't understand why Jesus had to die. Why someone so good would become the sacrifice. And I can't comprehend that I was worth the price. But this one thing I know, he died to give me Cause the cross says it all It says he can reach down farther Than we could ever fall It says mercy will come running The minute that we call So if the question is does he really care? The cross says it all. There are some things I may never understand, but my faith I trust in those nail-scarred hands. Cause the cross says It says he can reach down farther than we could ever fall. It says mercy will come running the minute that we call. If the question is, does he really care? The cross says it all. If the question is, does he really care? The cross, oh, the cross, says it all. the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Anytime we dedicate or consecrate a place for God, His presence abides there. The Lord shared with me this morning, this is not only going to be a worldwide outreach, it's going to be a community outreach because this ministry here is going to affect the community. When they pass by the building, they'll sense the Spirit of God and the anointing of God. And although this is not a church with no intention of being a church, there will be times when God will bring people together here for the furtherance of the gospel. But uh, I want to read something to you out of Second Kings. It's when Solomon dedicated the temple. God has always wanted to uh, dwell with man. And Exodus 25, when Moses was up on the mountain with God, he said, go down and tell the people to bring me an offering that you might construct a place for me to come down and dwell with you. God dwelt in that tent, and he would move, and the tent would move, and then his presence would rest upon the tent the tabernacle of Moses. And then God put it in Solomon's heart to build a more permanent stationary place, the temple. And uh, it says the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the rest of the exiles observed the de dedication of this temple of God with joy. So we need to realize today is a joyous occasion. Thank God for all of the previous places Lonesome Road Ministry has been. Thank God for Orchardville uh, that allowed this ministry to be in the church and then it moved from place to place. But now it's in a permanent place. This is the headquarters. God has provided a place for this ministry to touch the world. And it's a great example. Ireland is watching from this place. It's going around the world already. And so for the dedication of the temple of God, they offered 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, 12 male goats for the sins of Israel according to the number of the tribe of Israel. And in the 10th chapter, it said, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of God had filled the place. That's why I ask you to come forward. You're priest of this ministry. You're going in and out telling others about Jesus. I want to ask the people that are here if you would stand with me today in honor of the presence of God. And we're going to pray a dedicatory prayer over this place. We're going to be in agreement that this will always be a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome, where the glory of God is felt, and where the works of God are done. And I'm going to believe that this is going to mark a new day in the ministry of Lonesome Road. God is going to birth a brand new season. Amen? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. This is a special day. Lord, this is the permanent headquarters of Lonesome Road Ministries. And Lord, everyone in this building had a part in bringing this to pass. Lord, I now ask your presence to fill this place. I ask your glory to be up on this place. That this will always be a place Lord, for your presence to be sensed and felt, that it'll always be a place of ministry. 
And Lord, we give you glory for all that you have done and all that you are going to do in this place. Now, Father, I pray for every one of these ministers who are working around the world, those that are here present, those who are watching that could not make it today, but, Lord, they're priests in this ministry carrying the gospel in their part of the world. I bless them as well. I stretch my hand out as a bishop ordained in the body of Christ. I stretch my hand out today as your bishop, Lord, and I release a fresh anointing on everyone that is here. Lord, everyone that is ministering for you. Lord, may all their needs be met and supplied. And may Brother Gary and Miss Linda, Lord, as they lead this ministry, may they never want for anything or lack for anything. Lord, but may you supply all of their need in the name of Jesus and for your glory. And we give you praise today. As they dedicated the temple of Solomon with joy, let's dedicate this temple with joy. Could we give the Lord a Holy Ghost praise offering today? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm very concerned today about what I see in the church, what I see in the life of a lot of even ministers. It appears to me that more time is being spent in the spotlight than in the secret place, and that Christians and preachers alike are more interested in style than they are substance. We've got a group of believers that parade around on weekends with styrofoam swords and act like warriors, but on Monday morning they're wimps. More interested in trends than we are transition. More interested in what plays best in prime time than what message is on time. Entertaining saints at the expense of enlightening sinners. They call this a pulpit because it's to be used to pull people from the pit. But secular acceptance has become more important than spiritual approval. Counting heads and not changing hearts. Reorganizing the funeral possession instead of resurrecting the corpse. Success gurus parading around disguised as preachers more interested in their next book deal than they are the soul that's on its way to hell. Jesus called us to be soul winners. He called us to reach the lost. His commission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, those who are born again. Teach them the things of the Lord. So... I appreciate this ministry because this ministry's mandate and mission and vision is the lost. But look what has happened because Brother Gary was born again. Think about that. I had intentions of preaching a different message today, but when the Lord wakes you up at 5 o'clock in the morning and starts talking to you, I work for him. And so... First and foremost, I have to follow him. And uh, I believe he talked to me about today being a day of defining. You know, every one of us 
have those times in our life where God gives us an opportunity to change things in our future. I've written over 2,500 songs. I've had 80 number one songs. I've won every award known to mankind for songwriting. But I have to share with you where that began. I was saved at 19 years of age out of a family that never knew a Christian, much less a preacher. By the time I was 19, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, covered up by a sheet in a hospital room and left for the undertaker. But Jesus came in the room, touched me on my right foot, said, I'm going to raise you up and you're going to carry the gospel to the world. Now, we haven't done that yet, but we are on television in 220 countries every day, so we're touching a, a large part of the world. And I just talked with a man in the kitchen a moment ago that said in 2018, listening to my message called Domino Effect, he was born again and his life was changed. So if no one else has ever been touched by this ministry, I met a man a few moments ago that was born again because Brother Gary had a vision to reach people that are lost, and he included me in his vision. I went to my first revival in the month of November 1968. They had a visiting minister that night that was getting ready to go to Haiti on a mission trip. I worked a job, and I made $52 a week. My tithe, they told me, was $5.20. They told me that I had to tithe because I was a Christian now. When you make $52 a week and you got to take $5.20 out, you miss it. But as a Christian, that's what my responsibility was, so it was not optional. You see, when you come to Jesus, the Bible is not optional. It's either His way or no way. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So I paid my tithe. I remember God started blessing me. One week, I had $20 left in November, and I had a wife and a son, and I was going to take that $20. I'm going to buy them a Christmas gift. The first time, I was going to be able to buy something for Christmas. And I went to church, and that evangelist, said, I've got to take an offering. I'm going to Haiti. And he said, some of you are sitting here with $20 in your pocket. <laughs> I don't know how he knew that. I reached over in my pocket, and I got a hold of it, and I put it way down in my pocket. But have you ever had the Lord speak to you about something? And the moment he spoke to you, you knew it was him, and you became restless, and you became irritated that, at that moment, and that's where I was. And I remember walking down to that preacher and, and not handing the $20, but throwing it to him. <laughs> you see, the Bible said God loves a cheerful giver, but you don't always have to be cheerful. I believe cheerful givers haven't given enough. <laughs> that wasn't. $20 out of 20000 that was the only $20 I had to my name. But I started back to my seat, and the preacher said, Come back, young man. The Lord wants me to tell you this. Now, you got to remember, I never sung a song, never preached a sermon, never been out of town. This preacher said, 
your ministry and your music will go around the world. That was a defining day for my life. Nobody knew it was my last $20. But before I left church that night, I had five $20 bills. People walked over and handed me $20 bills. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't understand it. I do now. But I didn't know that I had activated seed time and harvest. I said, I didn't know it, but I activated seed time and harvest. You never put anything in God's hand that he don't put something in your hand. You never release anything from your life into the kingdom of God that God don't multiply it and bring it back into your life. I didn't know that. I do now, but I didn't then. My brother had two cars and he wasn't saved. I was walking to work. I didn't know then you wasn't supposed to envy. I didn't know then you wasn't supposed to covet your brother's car. All I knew is he had a car and I didn't. And all I knew was the devil brought that up every morning when I was walking to work. He said, look at your brother. He got two cars. You don't even have a car. Next morning after I sold that $20, my brother showed up at my house. And he said, I want to give you that car. And he, was de- he did what I did with that 20 He didn't hand me the keys. He threw them at me. He said, <laughs> he said here. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't care. I took the keys and I drove the car. Come on. I don't care how God gets it to me just as long as he gets it to me. That was a defining moment in my life. There are defining moments when God gives you an opportunity. I was in Chicago years later in the ministry going through some tough times. In Chicago, I went there to sing. Some of you have heard me tell this story, but it bears repeating. I was $767,000 in ministry debt trying to preach on television. I was $247,500 in debt personally trying to buy things I didn't need to impress people I didn't know. I built a new house, a big house. Couldn't afford it. Got six months behind on the payment. I'm in Chicago, and I'm there singing. And they had a preacher there preaching. He preached like I never heard before. And he said, God wants to get you out of debt. And I scooted up on the edge of my seat because, man, we didn't have call screening on our phone back then. And the only one was calling me was creditors. I was on speed dial with them. And they were wanting to know when I was going to pay them. He started preaching about how God could change your financial situation. I'd never been out of debt. Nobody in my family had ever been out of debt. Man, thoughts of being out of debt, it just was so far under my mind. I got my name on the mortgage for 30 years. I've got a car and 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 it's you know financed to the hilt and, and 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 I owe people everywhere. And when he got through preaching, he said, There's 120 people listening to my voice right now, and God's talking to you about a thousand dollar seed. Well, I didn't like him anymore at that point. I didn't like the tone of his voice, I didn't like the color of his hair. I didn't know his mama, but I didn't even like her. Because now he's not only, you know, preached about what can change your life. Now he's wanting me to get involved with it. I immediately said, I don't have $1,000. I excuse myself like a lot of us always do. I said, well, that's not me. I'm six months behind on my house payment. Then he said, if you don't have it, 
You can fill out this card and put your name on it. Your seed will help preach the gospel on television around the world. He said, if God don't give it to you, you don't have to sow it. I said, man, ain't nobody ever give me $1,000. This is a win-win. I can obey God, and I don't ever have to give it. So I filled out the card. I put my real address. I put my real name on it, and I handed it to him. I didn't know this was going to be a defining day in my life. I handed it to him. And I left and went to Arkansas. When I got to Arkansas, I walked into church. And a woman on the other side of the church started running toward me. And it was one of those times when you knew you needed to run. It felt, and it felt like my feet were nailed to the floor. And that woman ran and grabbed me and started spinning around. I found you. I found you. I'm going to tell you a lot of things go through your mind at that moment. And I'm thinking, she thinks I'm that husband she's been praying for. And she was not the homecoming queen, folks. Just want to tell you. Not only that, my wife's fixing to come through that back door, and they about to be some problems up in here. Tears came into her eyes. She reached down, picked her Bible up out of the floor. She dropped it when she grabbed me. She got the Bible and took, and she said, yesterday morning when I was praying, God told me to give you this, and it was a check for $1,000. Nobody had ever done that before. I said, nobody had ever done that before. Oh. I wish I could tell you that the first thing that crossed my mind was Chicago, but it wasn't. I wish I could tell you that the first thing that crossed my mind was paying my pledge, but it didn't. So I, I thought about, because I like nice suits, I thought, I'm going to take this $1,000. I'm going to church tomorrow. I'm going to look good. And the Holy Spirit said, you better send that money to Chicago. So I got to the post office, and I put that $1,000 seed in the mail to Chicago. And I went home, and Monday morning, the bank that had the mortgage on my house called first thing. We want you to come by the bank. I'm six months behind on my house payment, and I'm about to be homeless. When I got to the bank, all the executive board was in the room. I went in. The vice president of the bank, tears in her eyes, says, I was changed by your ministry. And I've talked to the executives, and we're going to write your house off. 30-year mortgage gone just like that. Did you hear what I said? I've never paid another payment on a house from that day. Every house I built, I built cash. I went over to another bank because I owed them 30000 for two TV cameras. I went over there to tell them that now I don't have a house payment and I'm going to pay you what I owe you. I went over there and the man came out with a receipt. He said, a few days ago, somebody came by here and paid this for you. Twelve, oh, come on, twelve Twelve months later, I'm debt-free. Thirty-four years ago, I operate my ministry debt-free. I operate my personal life debt-free. I don't owe anybody anything but to love them because that was a defining day that broke the spirit of debt off my life and delivered me from debt. So this religious crowd that tells you God's not concerned about your finances, you need to tell them, shut up. <laughs> On the third day of creation, Genesis 1-11, God created seed. The first day created light. Second day divided the waters. Third day created seed. Fourth day created seasons. 
Seasons are created for seed, and seed is created for seasons. I carry seeds with me all the time. There's a prophecy on the front of every seed pack. That prophecy is right there. 78 days, I can have tomatoes. That's a prophecy. 53 days, I can have cucumbers. 85 days, I can have watermelon. See, the bigger the harvest, the longer the season. If you just need $5, you don't have to wait long. If you need 500000 it's a different thing. You see that color-coded map there? Where do you live? Missouri. Find Missouri on there, and then look out here and tell me when you sow watermelons in Missouri. May to June. Now, what does that mean? That means there is a window of opportunity for watermelon between May and June. Right? So if I want watermelons, now, how many of you believe that if, if I, between May and June, Ferry Morris says that if I take advantage of this window of opportunity, in 85 days, I can have watermelons. How many of you believe that? Hold up your hand if you believe that. Do you know Ferry Morris? But you believe Ferry Morris. If you believe him, wave at me. Though you've never met him, you believe him. Now, why do you believe him? You don't know him? Do you know Jesus? Then why don't you believe him? He said, if you give or sow, Luke 6, 38, He'll give it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But every time the Lord speaks to us about sowing, we don't want to hear what he's saying, but we believe fair Mars. How many of you know I've had these seeds for years, at least eight years, and I don't have watermelon? Why don't I have watermelon? What? How long you had that money in the bank, and you still don't have a harvest? You see, it's all right. You get happy talking about watermelons. When you start talking about how to get a harvest from God, how to get the wealth of the world out of the hands of the world and get it into the church. Listen, I don't, I don't believe these religious folks that tell us that, that you know, that, that you are not talk about money in church. Money is evil. Listen, I went home last night and I laid this up on the nightstand and it didn't get up in the middle of the night and it didn't rob nobody and it didn't commit adultery and it didn't sin. It was right there where I left it when I went to bed last night. This money only is evil in the hands of someone evil. But you put it in the hands of, of, of Gary Rayburn and he'll buy a building and he'll buy duplicators and he'll buy printers and he'll preach the gospel around the world. Come on, church. Come on, church. You see, it's not money that's evil. It's the hands that hold it. And we come over here each year, and, and, and you know, uh, for some reason, the equipment Brother Gary has wears out. I don't know if he's using it or not, but it wears out. Last night, we needed a printer, and you responded, and we bought a printer. I said we bought a printer last night. There's going to... And we're going to be able to print CDs. And, and, the, and, and every time somebody's blessed by one of those, guess what? You're going to be on God's mind. God's going to be reminded of when you gave to help preach the gospel around the world. Now, I want to talk to you just a moment about two things. Number one, if you wait, it might be too late. What if I decide I'm not going to sow Watermelons between May and June. I'll just wait to September. Really? I'm a believer. 
I'm a preacher. I'm a man of God. I'm a man of faith. You're telling me that I got to obey the rules? Well, why is it people come to church and they get anointed with oil and fall down on the floor so many times they've been called Sister Fall now and they still broke? They still can't pay their bills? Come on, they still turn into the church for help? They're still on fixed income depending on the government to send them something? While the drug dealer is out here, you know, prospering? I'm going to tell you something. It takes planting between May and June for the drug dealer to get watermelons. It takes planting between May and June for the spirit-filled, Bible-toting, tongue-talking believer to get watermelons because God attached a law to seed. In Genesis 8, 22, he said, from the beginning of time to the end of time, there'll be seed time and there'll be harvest. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a time to sow, there's a time to reap. Galatians 6, 9, hallelujah, if you grow not weary and well-doing, you shall reap if you faint not. Why? Because verse 7 says, whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. Most, most churches never hear this message because they're afraid some old backslid, narrow-minded religious hypocrite is going to criticize them for talking about the blessing of God. Well, listen, I'm not your pastor. I'm leaving here tomorrow. You don't have to like me. I come to tell you that God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. God wants to prosper you so you can help prosper the kingdom of God. I don't care whether you like me or not. I don't know why people think they can violate scriptural principles and get supernatural results. You can't pray in a harvest. You can't fast in a harvest. You can't prophesy in a harvest. You got to sow a harvest. Well, I prayed and God met my need. That was a miracle, not a harvest. If I sow watermelons in September and I get watermelons, it was a miracle. But next September, God expects me to be smarter. And if I'm not, I probably won't have any more watermelon. God will overlook stupidity one or two times. But you keep on being stupid. There's an old boy down in Georgia, down by the Chattahoochee River. He lived in the country all his life. He came to town. Walking downtown, he saw a travel agency on the window that said, Cruises, $100. He said, wow, I've been wanting to take a cruise. He walked in, he asked the man, he said, can I really take a cruise for $100? He said, yeah. He took out five 20s, 20, 40, 6. When he got to 100, something hit him in the back of the head, knocked him out. When he came to, he was in a 50-gallon drum floating down the Chattahoochee River on his cruise. He looked around. There was another barrel over here. He said, hey, do they serve lunch on this cruise? The guy in the other barrel said, I don't know. They didn't last year. See, it's one thing to be stupid today, but a year from now or two years from now or five years from now, you're still in the same mess you always were in. You need to start listening to what God said. If you wait, when God speaks to you, you may wait too late. How many of you, God spoke to you about doing something for him, but you didn't do it. You said, there'll be a better time. I can't afford it right now. I'll do it later. 
I found out something about God. He speaks to you to give $20 when $20 is all you have. You know why? Because faith is not measured by what is released from your hand. Faith is measured by what's left in your hand. See, for a man to give 20 and that's all he's got takes more faith than a man to give 20 that's got 20,000. Are you still here? And I'm going to tell you, the church very seldom ever engages faith financially. They always give what they can afford. They always give what is comfortable. They always give what they've always given. See, your hand is trained to pass the hundred to the five. You've done that so long, you don't even have to think about it. You could do it in your sleep. A lot of people do it in these dead churches. They do it in their sleep. But you want to change your harvest, you've got to change your seed. You're going to change your harvest, you've got to change your seed. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed. If you don't like what you have now, change what you've been doing. When are you, when are you going to learn? When are you, when are you going to quit taking that cruise? When are you going to quit believing the devil and start believing the word of God? And I know what some of you think. Well, that preacher just trying to get something from me. No, I'm trying to get something to you. What you do don't affect my life. I don't take a dime for coming here preaching to you. So just let that get through your thick head that I'm not here trying to get something to you or from you. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, capitalize on your finances. I'm here because I believe in this ministry. I'm here because I believe in the gospel. I'm here because I believe if we get the gospel out in that truck, just like that man I met back here, right here he says, listening to that domino message, what happened to you? Say, Amen. What? What? You? You? You were not just. You were not just a sinner. You were bound by drugs. That's it. Amen. You're bound by alcohol. Sure. Amen. Listen to that. That man right there. That if, if, if come on, brother Gary. If nobody else ever gets born again, this old boy right here, it was worth every effort. It's worth every dime. It's worth every dollar to get him in the kingdom of God. That's because somebody sowed. Somebody sowed. Boy, I sure didn't intend to preach as hard this afternoon. Y'all must really need this. You know, I know how to preach. I went to Bible college. You know, you're supposed to take one step back, one step forward, and one step to the left, and one step back, and then one step here, and digress and recapitulate. I know all that. But when the Holy Ghost is talking to you, 5 o'clock in the morning, I went to preach in First United Methodist Church. And they had two pulpits, one on the left and one on the right. The one on the left was for the preacher. And they put me in it. It had a fence around it. Had a gate on it. And they shut the gate behind me, told me to stay right there. Boy, I did for a little while. But I kept backing up and hitting that gate. After a while, I just kicked that gate open. And I went down where the people were. And I said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Hallelujah. And 75 Methodists got up off their feet and came that morning and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Just like they were in the book of Acts. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you got to step outside your limitations. You know, when I gave that $20 offering, I don't think I've ever told this, I was in a, in a maintenance shop with 25 men, and I was the maintenance laborer, which meant if any of the other 24 needed something done, they called me. So I was a gopher, and I spent a lot of time on the other end of a jackhammer. One year later, I was their foreman. I went from the maintenance laborer to the maintenance foreman in one year as a giver, as a sower. If I stayed there, I would probably own the company by now. Because, you see, you can't stop a sower. 
Prosperity dances with the one who's on the dance floor. Not the one that's sitting in the sideline. Second thing I want to talk to you about for just a few moments is birthing a new season. Birthing a new season. A seed births a new season. A seed can open the door to your destiny. I don't know. I, you guys are in the music business. You're in, I don't know why everybody records my songs. And everybody has hits on my songs. I don't think my songs are greater than anybody else's. But every time I get an award, my mind goes back to that $20 seed and that word from God that 52 years later, that seed is still birthing the blessing of God. If I'd have waited, you may never heard of me. If I'd have waited, I might have waited too late. But that $20 seed birthed my destiny. See, God put something in your hand that you can sow that will change your life. And some people are sitting here right now, and the wheels are turning in your brain, and you're trying to figure out where you missed it. That's where you missed it. You thought, if I just had more talent, it's not talent. If I just had more break breaks, if I just was lucky, maybe that, no. Come on. There's people talented sitting somewhere nobody's ever heard of. I watch some of these uh, shows, these, uh, you know, these uh, uh, talent shows, and I wonder, how did no one ever know about this person? They're so talented. But one day they decided, I'm going to go and try to see if I can sing to the world. All of a sudden, they were discovered. They, all of a sudden, people knew who they were. They changed. They, they did something different. Somewhere you've got to do something different than you've been doing. You see, your dream is a discovery. Your destiny is a decision. You look like your dad when you're born, but you look like your decisions when you die. You understand that? And all a dream is is a creative idea that's asking permission to live. Brother Gary, God saved him. Then driving in that truck, God dropped a dream in his mind. Why can't we put CDs in truck stops and rest areas? Why can't we get the gospel out? All of a sudden, he made a decision. I'm going to do something about it. He started it at a church. The church, you know, all of a sudden didn't want him to do it. And then he went to his home. And then another church opened their door for him. Thank God. And all the way, God was leading him step by step to where? Till today. Till today. Where now he has his own place. His own headquarters. He can hear God. He can go for it. Come on, church. Come on, church. I'm talking about praising God. This is God's house. This is God's place. We consecrated. We dedicated this place to God. This place has a brand new future. Out of this place, the gospel will be preached to all the world. You hear me, Ireland? You hear me in Ireland? The gospel's been preached to you. Talk about birthing a new season. 2019, the month of December, I was in Lagos, Nigeria, in a little struggling church there that runs 62,000. I was there for eight days. They're building a new auditorium that seats 125,000. They've got television ministry all over the world. Their television network's bigger than TBN. I was there, and I woke up on Monday morning, and I always carried these seats with me. And they were laying on the dresser. 
See that little seed right there? That little seed right there would grow a tree 250 feet tall and 35 feet around. It's a sequoia redwood tree seed. See how small it is? It's hard to believe that a $20 seed birthed a worldwide ministry. But it did. I said it did. It's hard to believe that a $20 seed birthed over 2,500 songs. Brother Mike recorded two of my songs. The last two songs he recorded were my songs. Both of them went to number one. Everybody records my songs. They go to number one. I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. Month of December. I could never dream. You could never dream. December of 2019 when you celebrated Christmas. You never dreamed by March. The whole United States and world would be shut down. Right? You see, you need to realize we don't know what's waiting in the future today. Folks, you better wake up. Come on. Devil's lulling the church to sleep. We better wake up and realize that we're a militant force to be dealt with. Come on. We're not going to be pushed in some corner somewhere. Amen. And forgotten about. We're the church of Jesus Christ. I said we're the church of Jesus Christ. The power of God is in us. Come on. You better wake up. You better stand up. Don't you know in 1 Kings 17, in a famine, don't you know that the Lord knew there was a widow over there that would believe him? Don't you know that she was the source for the prophet? Don't you know the prophet was the source for her? Don't you know when she sowed that seed, which was a cake, God got in her meal barrel, God got in her cruise of oil, and she never lacked during the famine. She had one meal left, getting ready to eat it. Her and her son, they're going to die, but God had a different plan. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the God I serve. He's got a different plan. He knows what's coming down the road, and he knows how to take care of me, and he knows how to take care of you if we'll hear his voice and do what he tells us to do. In Lagos, Nigeria, I got up on Monday morning. The Lord didn't even say good morning to me. He just said, I want you to sow $10,000 today. I went from $20, $1,000. Now he's talking to me about $10,000. I know some of y'all look at me, $10,000? I could buy a car with $10,000. That's what you did. That's why you're in the mess you're in. <laughs> God won't talk to you about anything that you won't listen to him about. Did I fall out in the spirit when he said that? No. I did what you did. I thought about everything I had to pay. It's December. We traveling ministries know nobody wants us in December. Am I right? We're home. We're like the Maytag repairman in December. <laughs> nobody wants to call us. Nobody wants to have a meeting. Nobody. You see, when we don't preach, people aren't home in the closet thinking about us. So I thought about, this is December. Lord, if I do this, what am I going to do in December? My budget's 30 grand a month. Lord, what am I going to do? But you know something? The Lord don't, he don't negotiate. How many of you found that out about the Lord? He don't negotiate. He listened to all that, and then he said, I told you to sow 10000 a day. It's your decision. Whew, I don't like it when he talks like that. See, when the Lord talks to you, you, you make the decision. The Lord don't come down and hit you upside the head and, you know, shake you. He just lets it. It's your decision. If you want what I got, I want what you've got. If you can't trust me with what you have, I can't trust you with what I have. If you're not willing to release what's in your hand, don't expect me to release what's in my hand. When you need a miracle, I didn't know. 
in March I'm going to be dying of COVID. I didn't know in March for the first time in 45 years I would be sitting at home for over five months with no income. I didn't know that, but the Lord knew that. He was talking to me about birthing a different season. I looked down at that seed pack, and I'm going to close with this. I looked down at that seed pack, and I saw that color-coded map, and here's what the Lord said to me. He said, in the natural, your seed, watermelon, has to wait on the right season. But he said, in the kingdom, the right season is waiting on your seed. Some of you, can I say that again? In the natural, watermelon, your seed has to wait on the right season. But in the kingdom, your right season is waiting on your seed. What he was saying, I'm waiting on that 10,000 so I can birth a new season. So I got the check. I went to church and I sowed that seed. Six days later, a man called me and he said, I want to sow $200,000 in your ministry. The largest gift we'd ever received. I didn't know that, but God knew that. I didn't sweat the five months at home. I came into this year, January, the same person sold another 75000 said, this will help you this year. I never had that happen before. Was it a coincidence? No, it was a result of a seed that I sowed. Well, Brother Payne, do you think that could happen in my life? We won't know until you sow. You believe Fairy Morris? My God, you ought to believe Jesus. You believe you could have watermelons in 85 days? You ought to believe you can get a harvest from God in six days. I birthed a whole new season in my life. I'm telling you, God has blessed us this year like never before in the history of our ministry. Glory to God. You know, week before last, I was in a church and the church had need, I said, just keep the offering. You know how good that feels? Come on. I got a call from a man down in Georgia the other day. He said, I know a missionary. And he's over in Ghana. And he's been there 20 years. And he's been trying to build a house for his family. And he's been building it in the last 10 years. Uh, he's been sitting, trying to believe God for a roof to go on it. I said, how much does it cost? He told me, I put a check in the mail. He sent me a picture just the other day and that missionary and his family now have a roof on their house and they're sleeping in the dry instead of the rain. Why? Because God bless me. I said, God bless me. I said, God bless me. I was on an airplane and a young youth minister came up to me. He's a children's ministry. He's traveling from place to place and church to church and he's ministering to kids. And he came up to me and he said, Brother Payne, I recognize you from television and, and I know you've got faith in God. Would you pray? I said, what are we praying about? He said, I need a trailer. i got to have a place to haul my puppets and, and stuff so I can go minister to kids. I said, uh, he said, would you pray for me? I said, no.
He looked at me real strange. I said, why should we pray? Tell me what it costs. You'll have a check in the morning. That's a good, that's a good ministry. I said, that's a good ministry. That's good soil. He's got a trailer now. My ministry bought the trailer that's ministering to these guys. Oh, my God, I'm talking to you. It's not my talent. It's my seed. Understand that. Brother Gary has sold into our ministry, and I appreciate that, but... But when this building became available, I called him. I said, take the seed you've been sowing in me and let's put it toward the building until we get in the building and get it debt free. Because see, my seed is what changes my life. I will never live on fixed income. You know why? I will not allow it to be fixed. I gave the government their stimulus check back. I don't need it. I'm like Abraham. I don't want the government thinking they made me rich. I pay them what they want from me, and we both are happy. Praise God, the government is not my source. And I'm going to tell you something, the government, your job or nothing else is your source. God is your source. I said, God is your source. God is your source. I meant to close, but I, I got to say one more thing. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus ministered about things. And he said, stop worrying about what you're going to eat. Stop worrying about what you're going to drink. Stop worrying about these things. 90% of the church spends most of their time trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills. Most ministries I know, bless their heart, I, 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 if they listen to me, I could help them, but most of them won't listen. And they just operate week to week. And they just operate week to week. And they don't have any excess. And they don't have any surplus. Because they're not sowers like God wants them to be. In Matthew 6, here's what Jesus said. He said, look at these birds. He said, they don't sow and they don't reap and they don't store in barns. That right there lets me know he wants me to have more than enough because he's talking about barns to store my excess. But he said, your heavenly Father takes care of. Now, here's where people miss the message. Well, if God takes care of the birds, God will take care of me. Well, that is true if you don't mind living like a bird. You ever watched a bird? They get up at daylight, fly everywhere pecking, trying to find something to eat. Have you ever seen a, a bird with a barn? You ever seen a bird with a silo to store extra? You ever seen a bird with a bank account? Then he says, you're much better than the birds. Why? I give you the ability to sow and reap. You determine your harvest by the seed you're willing to sow. I'm God, and I can multiply the seed that is sown. And if you don't believe it, try me and see what I will do. I did that, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I'm here. That's why I don't have financial needs. That's why I don't have to set an amount anywhere I go to preach. That's the reason I can go to a church with 30 or go to a church with 30,000. You know why? That church is not my source. God is my source. I said, God is my source. God is my source. And God is your source. God is your source. Are you not much better than the birds? You can birth a new season today. After Solomon dedicated this magnificent temple, they started sacrificing. They, they, they sealed it with an offering. That's what we're going to do today. I woke up this morning and the Lord said to me, I'm talking to someone and you may be here, you may be watching by online, or you may be listening by CD. I don't know. But God said this to me. He said, I'm talking to someone about a $15,000 seed.
in to Lonesome Road Ministry. And he said, if that person will obey me, he said, I will bring them out of every need they have and multiply their seed so quickly. When God creates an opportunity, you have to understand, there's an expiration date on every opportunity. If you wait, say it with me, if you wait, you may wait too late. I was in Texas. I went there to raise money to get a church out of foreclosure. God told me to take a $1,000 check with me and challenge the people to give. People were moving out of the area. Business was bad. I challenged the people. We got the church out of foreclosure. One year later, the church was, had paid off the mortgage, and I went back to burn the note. One year later, God started blessing the businesses of those who sowed that day. When I got there, two men walked up to me. The first one said, oh, Brother Payne, my business was going under. When you challenged us to sow, he said, I put my $1,000 gift on the only credit card I didn't have maxed out. That's what he said. He said, God's blessed me. He said, I've just opened up my third business. He said, we got customers coming from everywhere. I've never made as much money as I've made in the last few months since you were here. And then the second man walked up. He was mad. I don't like you. That's what he said. I was here a year ago when you asked us to give a thousand dollars. They were selling my farm on the courthouse steps. I told God, I'm not listening to that preacher. He said, six weeks later, they sold my farm. He said, my neighbor bought it. He said, we got a little old apartment downtown, and I have to pass by that farm every day. He said, a few weeks after he bought it, Shell Oil came in, started visiting the farms around there, and they found the richest deposit of natural gas on my farm. He said, now my neighbor is a multimillionaire. I've been to that farm. That neighbor that bought that farm has got a big warehouse, and he's got one of every Corvette that was ever made. And he's got a man whose only job is to drive one of them every day. He's mad at me because somebody else reaped his harvest. He's mad at me because he didn't obey God. Nobody's going to get my harvest. You're not going to get my harvest. I made up my mind. There's a lot of people going to out preach me there's a lot of people can out sing me there's a lot of people can outright me but you're gonna have to get up early hoss to out give me come on you know why because i found out that god will pass up a hundred singers he'll pass up a thousand preachers to get to somebody that's willing to take the last twenty dollars they got in their pocket and put it in the kingdom of god we need to buy another printer today and we need to buy four duplicators Every time I've ever sold $1,000, God blessed me like no other time. I, something about $1,000 that every time I've sold it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, maybe you've never done it. I don't know. Every time, when I sold that $1,000 in Chicago, God got me out of debt. My wife, Lori, is alive because of $1,000 seed. First year we was married, she's got type 1 diabetes. She's probably watching me right now. She was in the hospital, intensive care, for seven days. Doctor came in on Saturday morning and said, I've done everything I know to do. 
I sat down in my chair. I've been there for, for six days and nights. My first wife, who died with cancer, was in that same intensive care unit. The devil is telling me every day, I'm going to take this one too. You're going to be by yourself. The morning of the seventh day, the Lord spoke to me. He said, your pastor's coming this afternoon. When he gets here, I want you to hand him a $1,000 seed and tell him this is for the healing of your wife. Now, I know religious folks said, you're trying to buy a miracle. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. You can't buy a miracle. But you can impress the miracle worker. The woman with the one cake didn't buy a miracle. She just impressed God enough to get in her meal barrel. I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. I met my pastor. I said, this is for the healing of my wife. He came in, saw her laying in the bed, laid his hand over her and prayed the most pitiful prayer I ever heard. And I got a good pastor. I had a good pastor, but he, he told me later, he said, I thought she's dead. So he didn't, he didn't, he just, you know, prayed a little gentle prayer trying to prepare me for her death. He left and the Lord said, now you go home, get a good night's rest and come back in the morning. That was hard to do. I kissed her. I said, honey, I'm going home. The devil told me on the way home, you're not going to sleep. I slept like a baby. I woke up the next morning. I was back at the hospital at 7 o'clock. Lori hadn't eaten a bite in seven days. She's semi-comatose. She can't get up out of bed. She can't do anything. Seven days. She's been like that. I got there that morning, and she was up out of the bed, had her hair, took a shower, had her hair fixed, and said, I'm starving to death. I'm starving to death. Amen. She was well. Listen, 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 listen. I got to finish this. Listen, listen, listen. I said, what happened? She said, about 3 o'clock this morning, a doctor came in, sat down on the edge of the bed, took me by the hand, looked me in the eye, said, honey, it's going to be all right. I went right to the nurse's station. I said, what was the doctor? I got to talk to that doctor. Who was the doctor? She said, I've been on duty all night. Ain't been nobody in that room but me. There ain't no doctor been in that room. Amen. Amen. Oh, come on, church. Come on. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I said, I don't know. I just know that she hadn't been sick a day since then. I just know she ain't been back to the hospital. I just know that we took her home and everything is all right. That's all I know. And I just feel like today, we can, we can buy a duplicator for, for a thousand bucks. I just feel like if three or four of you just hear God and just so, we could buy those duplicators. We can, we can finish up uh, buying that uh, other printer for $2,500 if somebody would just hear from God. It's nothing to me. I'm just creating the opportunity for you to be blessed. You can walk out the door like you have so many other times when God talked to you and stay right where you are. Or you can change it today. Let me ask you, had I walked back to my seat when that preacher wanted $20, where do you think I'd be tonight? Who knows? That's a good answer. In Chicago, if I hadn't filled out that card, where would I be financially? If I hadn't heard God in Nigeria and wrote that $10,000 check, where would I be during this pandemic? I almost died. But every day, 27 days of between life and death, I reminded God. I said, Lord, I heard your voice in Nigeria, and I sowed that seed. And, I, and if you want me in heaven, that's all right. But I'm not ready to go. I got sermons to preach. I got songs to write. I got books to write. God, I don't want to go right now. I've never been as alive as I am right now. I've never been as anointed as I am right now. See, I birthed a new season. And I want it so bad for you. I can't tell you how I felt when they sent me the picture of that missionary's house with a roof on it. 
And I was able to help do that. Whew. There's some more missionaries that need roofs on their house. There's some more truck drivers like this old boy. Ain't heard it yet. Ain't heard the gospel yet. We got to get it to them, don't we, brother? We got to get the gospel to them. They ain't heard it yet. So today, I'm going to pray, and God's going to talk to you. How many of you let God talk to you? Will you listen? Some that are watching us today, God's going to talk to you. Listen. Excuse me for just a moment. I got to talk to our audience. Wherever you're listening, Ireland, Britain, Germany, uh, Texas, uh, Oklahoma. I had a pastor, Brother Gary, was watching last night from Oklahoma. He called, or texted me this morning and said, what's the address? He's sending a gift. He's a great man of God. I, he, I'm believing he's going to come preach for you next, next year. He's called, his name is Brother David McGrew. And he's an ex-truck driver. God spared his life in a truck. And now he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. A great man of God. Got a great church in Oklahoma City. Listen, I want to talk to you. God wants you to be part of what he's doing. You're getting this gospel right now, wherever you're listening, because somebody sowed so that we could have this message go out through video. So listen to God right where you are and obey God right where you are. And I want to pray over you that are here this morning. I want to pray that God will speak to you just like he speaks to me. In January of this year, he spoke to me about planting my largest seed, $100,000. I went from $20 and God talking to me about sowing 100000 I live to sow. I live to give. I'm glad that when I come here, and Brother Gary don't have to worry that I got to pay Brother Payne. I'm glad I can say just keep it a seed. Wouldn't you like to live like that? You can. I'm not anything special. Romans 2.11 said, God, no respect to person. What he did for me, he'll do for you. Would you bow your head with me right now? Would you just sit there in silence between you and God for just a moment? Would you tell the devil to shut up? And would you realize that John 10, 5, the Lord said that my sheep hear my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. Don't listen to the stranger's voice. Listen to the Lord's voice. God's been so good to many of us. You don't know the times that God's watched over you and your family. You don't know the time God has done things in your life that money could never have accomplished. He's blessed you. He's prospered you. He's been good to you. And now he wants to talk to you. If he woke me up at 5 o'clock and started talking to me about this service today, he wants to talk to you. You're listening by CD. You're watching online. He's talking to you. You need to sow. You need to sow what God tells you to sow. We want to see this new printer. We want to see four new duplicators. So Brother Gary and his team can keep preaching the gospel. Him and Linda have worked so hard to get us to this place. Now, Father, I just thank you today for speaking to us about what you'd have us to do. And Lord, may this be more than enough to meet every need for this convention, not just today, but the need of this ministry for weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen. And you know, if you're not a monthly partner with this ministry, I'd encourage you to be a monthly partner, to give systematically each month. If Whatever you can give, 
what, whatever the Lord speaks you to give, start sowing consistently. And watch what God will do. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord's spoken to you. I want you to get your checks ready. I want you to get your offering ready. Hallelujah. Everybody move. Brother Payne, I've, I've already given. Well, give again. Praise God. A farmer don't walk out in the field and say, Lord, I sowed last year. Come on. Get your offerings ready. I'm, I'm going to wait on you. I believe God spoke to you. If he spoke to me, he'll speak to you. That envelope in your hand is not an envelope anymore. It's a seed envelope. <laughs> your seed is in it. And that offering that's in it, in a moment when you release it to the kingdom, it's going to cease to be a seed and it's going to start metamorphosing into a harvest. When you release a seed in the earth, it goes in the earth and becomes invisible. But 17 nutrients in the earth begin to move around and be drawn to that seed. When you release a seed in the kingdom, forces you can't see start moving towards your life. All of a sudden you start having favor. All of a sudden things you tried before it didn't work start working now. There's a lady in, in uh, right there in Tyler, Texas. She had a real estate company. I was there. Her real estate company was going under. I was there raising money. I need to put a new septic system in the church. She brought a $1,000 seed, said, I need something. And I prayed over her. She now has three brokerage companies there in Tyler. God started blessing. People started buying houses from her. I don't believe that's a coincidence. A seed. You got your seed in your hand? People are still reaching. Maybe you're giving online. That's wonderful. You that are watching, I hadn't forgot you. I hadn't forgot you. God hadn't forgot you. Listen, there's information there. Go and give right now. Thank God. Last night, Brother uh, Jason and Tammy were watching from Alabama, and they, and they gave their seed. There are some of the chaplains there. He's out of work. He's going to be out of work 10 weeks. He can't work, but they're still sowing. You know why? I taught them that. I taught them to sow. They're going to make it. This is just a trial. You watch and see what's going to happen in their life. God's going to bring them through it. Amen. Amen. As soon as they sold, you know what I did? I went online and gave them their money back out of my account. <laughs> That's how quick they got to harvest. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I made it possible for them to sow. They didn't know that, but God did. Got your seed? Got your seed? You know, for those of you that for some reason might say, well, you know, all they want is my money. Uh, I would welcome you to explain to us how we can do what we do without it. And if you can do that, then I'll never ask you again. You see, the Lord set up seed time and harvest as a means of supporting the kingdom. Uh, he gave me a word, and I'm writing uh, three books on this one word God gave me. It's never been in the English language. It's called Seedonomics. I had that word copywritten. I had that word trademarked. It's never been in the English language. Seedonomics. We operate by economics. God operates by seedonomics. Seedonomics manipulates economics. The feeding of the 5,000 was not through economics. Philip said we can't buy but 200 penny worth. So economics wouldn't solve the problem. But when the five loaves and two fish got in the hands of Jesus, seedonomics multiplied it. 
Lord, I lay my hands on this anointed seed. It represents the labors. It represents the obedience of your children. Lord, I pray that it's more than enough to buy the new printer and the four duplicators we need to keep this ministry growing and going forth in the name of Jesus. But Lord, I pray for testimonies to come in after today from ministers, from singers, Lord, from people that work just a regular job. I'm believing you, Lord, for testimonies to come in that today, as we sowed our seed, everything changed in our life. I'm decreeing and declaring divine supernatural favor. You are the God that multiplied the meal in the widow's barrel and the oil in her cruise. You are the God that multiplied the fishes and loaves. You are the God that promised in your word that you would give back to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You'd cause men to give. I decree favor with God and man in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and shout unto God the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Brother Gary. I love you. I love you all, and let me just pray. Father, God, I just thank you so much for what you're doing right here. Lord, I thank you for this family, this Lonesome Road Ministry family that has come together to help us do what we're doing here. Lord, this new home, it just it blows me away. What you were doing in our lives and in this ministry. And God, I thank you. I give you praise. I thank you for each and every person for this, all these envelopes in here, Lord. It's all yours. It's for your kingdom. And we will put it to good work right here in this ministry, reaching out to others, not only, not only across the country with the truckers, but just like James has prophesied, this is going to be a community ministry for people in this area, across this country, and around the world. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for this time of anointing, that you're getting ready to anoint each and every person that gave into this ministry. Something new is getting ready to happen. God, you're looking for a place to happen, and you have found good fertile ground in the people that are here and they are getting ready to have a harvest of 60 80 100 fold and we thank you we praise you for that in jesus name amen at the crossroads of life lost without hope 18 wheels of lonesome the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance would it be my last 
Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. And we don't like to close any program without offering you the chance to give God your heart. So pray with me right now, just a simple little prayer. Pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I surrender all to you. I want to give you my heart right now, Lord. And then I want you to mold me into the person that you want me to be. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. God bless you all. And remember, God loves you and we do too. From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost Left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross, broken hearted and lonesome. So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree